Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. (laughs) Cha-ching! You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello, I'm Jess Perkins. Hi, I'm Matt Stewart. <laughs> so good to be here and we're not the only ones here, are we Dave? No, because uh, you're Jess, you're Matt, I'm Dave and they are from Finding Desperado, our guest this week. It's Cameron James and Alexi Toliopoulos. Hello. Hello, hello, hello and hello Alexi. Hello, <laughs> I'm Alexi. The other guy was Cameron. thanks for having us on your podcast and i don't want to like tell too many tales outside of school but it was a real struggle to get started um it took about half an hour to figure out so i really appreciate all the work you guys have put into this and it takes half an hour every week we've done this for 260 weeks so add that up that's like half our lives in the studio unplugging and plugging in Calling Evan. Yeah. Well, at least it proves that you guys, uh, you may be beautiful podcasters, but you're not freaking nerds, okay? Yeah. The yeah. tech side does not come naturally. No way. But I know how to dunk a basketball. That's right. Exactly. And dunk a chicks. basketball on those nerds. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two coolest things. <laughs> 
What's the third coolest thing? Um, Go uh, on. Do, do it an Ollie. Wow. <laughs> Who's Ollie? Oh, that is cool. That is cool. Sex, sex is oh. awesome. Yeah. Cam, you probably don't know this, but Jess and Dave are virgins and they <laughs> often try and sort of fake it till they make it. But we, we try uh, and, don't be fooled. We try and cover up a lot. No, I've done it. I have. Yeah, me, me too. Um, you know? Well, yeah. we, yeah. uh, Alexi and I are famously um, sluts, so this yes. should make for an interesting combination on the podcast today. <laughs> we we so are to known learn. as Lotharios around yeah. our city. Swordsmen. <laughs> yes, we are. We are known as the legendary pantsmen of the Australian podcasting industry. So watch out. We have got some interesting tales about our tales that sit on the front of yeah. our body. <laughs> Extremely true. No, we can't ruin this podcast. We're both such fans of this show. We don't want to ruin it with smut and filth. We Jess want- and I also have a podcast called Desperado, but it's about something completely different. <laughs> you, you do make some of our favourite podcasts, but the one you've been working on lately, what, what's its deal? What a wonderful it's question. It's called Finding... <laughs> finding Desperado. Finding Desperado. Where? I've listened to the first episode three times because I was drinking um, and I just could not remember when I what happened. I had to listen to it again and then, yeah, anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you that, but um, I remember enjoying it each time. I just don't remember any of the details. Well, Matt, we're so flattered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast three times. <laughs> yeah, we specifically designed this series um, for sober listening. So, in fact, there's a warning at the start that says if you have any alcohol in your mouth, you have to spit it out before the podcast starts. <laughs> it's not appropriate. We jam stuff in. We jam info in. We jam jokes in. We jam in references to Ray Romano. We've getting, we're getting it all in there. Mm-hmm. That's what we really wanted to get the word out about Ray Romano. <laughs> But the new series is, it's another true crime-esque podcast without a crime, and it is all true. And we are trying to track down the elusive, mysterious filmmaker, Sydney Ling, who once held the Guinness World Record for world's youngest filmmaker of a feature film. But uh, in our research, we begin to suspect that this film that won a Guinness World Record does not exist. There's no evidence that it exists anywhere on the internet. And that's when things start to get a little bit freaky and a touch (laughs) deaky. (laughs) We border on the deaky on this new series and it's really exciting for that reason. And it's on on the same feed as your first podcast in a similar vein. That's right. Finding I was going to say Desperado. What was Drago. it? Nemo. Drago. Very similar name. We picked um, we picked a word that was similar. Yeah. So people would be like, oh, cool. Must be That's a sequel. brand recognition. Yes. yes. Brand recognition. Exactly. <laughs> so Extremely people, important. If people aren't aware of, of the new one, they may as well go back and start from the beginning. 
Because you you could definitely um, listen to one and then bang out the second, and you'll be glad you did it this way because I listen to them both as they're coming out, and it's brutal waiting week to week <laughs> for the next episode. <laughs> if know. you can, if you wait till they're all out and you can binge them, I'm very jealous of you. Oh, you know what? I think by the time this podcast comes out, they will all be out, so people can binge it. And they can binge drink after they've binged it. <laughs> yes. Do not do them at the same time. You've no, already no. seen how that does not lead to success. <laughs> but feel free to get smashed afterwards. I think the, the the main bit I remember is one of you said, and this made me laugh real, in bed, late at night, a bit drunk, and one of you said that Leonardo DiCaprio is your favourite Italian actor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that that was me and that is um, a line that I stole from. I went on one of those star tours in L.A., you know, where they're like you get in a yeah. bus and they drive you around all the Hollywood homes mm. and the guy that was doing it was giving trivia for all the actors before he revealed their names and he was like, this next guy, he lives with his mother, he's the most famous Italian actor in the world. Can anyone guess who it is? <laughs> And everyone was like, Robert De Niro, like just yelling out Italian. Rob, Roberto Benini, like yelling out all these names. Ray Romano, Ray Romano. He lives across the road from his mother, but maybe they moved in. And then when he said Leonardo DiCaprio, I was with Naomi Higgins at the time and we both lost our minds just like, <laughs> what? It had never occurred to me that Leonardo DiCaprio, probably the most Italian name, is an yeah. Italian man. And ever since then... I've res- paid my respects to the man. <laughs> yeah, you got to spread that information. <laughs> He's the best Italian actor in the biz. But the um the it, it all came out of a, a Guinness World Record entry. Is mm, that right? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, both of us actually were quite obsessed with the Guinness Book of Records when we were kids. It was just one of I those books was. that was around. Did you guys have them when you were like? Yeah, oh, yes. so many. I definitely have the getting a one year, the 1999 Guinness World Records for Christmas. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a classic stocking a stuffer. You'd get yeah. it on Christmas Day and auntie would give it to you or something and then you'd read it all Christmas afternoon and then never touch it again as long as you <laughs> lived. <laughs> I never owned one, but they were a hot item at the primary school library. Yeah, yes. oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. I think it's one of those things where they say that that actually holds a record itself as the most stolen book from oh, libraries. Really? That's how popular they are. <laughs> I would have thought people would be stealing like pornos or something from <laughs> yeah. the library. Yeah. Well, what library are you going to with porn? <laughs> it's a library that's just like it's a top floor of a little shop in the city and you go in there and there's just one guy that works there. He's a librarian. Yeah. <laughs> Do not go downstairs. It's really weird. There's I actually know what the most stolen book from Australian libraries is. What is it? It is Looking for Alibrandi, my favourite book. Is no. that true? That's true. It's stolen from the most high school libraries. Yeah, I actually right. have – I stole my copy from my high school <laughs> library as well. That's one of the reasons I know it. How many copies did you steal to get the numbers up? <laughs> Just that one, babe. Didn't need my help. It did it on its own. You stole it and then you got Melina. Uh, did you get Melina Marquetta to sign it for you? Yes, and Pia Miranda. I got my Does Bible it- signed by Jesus and God. <laughs> <laughs> do they still say, like, property of whatever from yes. school? <laughs> yeah, but it was actually a little embarrassing that that's the one copy I had. <laughs> so... Uh, 
it's out, you said you called yourselves fans of this show, so you probably know how it works. But mm. for new listeners, there's probably plenty uh, who follow you guys around the podcast scene. They listen to every podcast you're on. So we might have a few new listeners who are here, big Lex and Cam fans. Mm. And for them, the way this show works is normally <laughs> uh, one of Jess, Dave and I does a report on a topic that we've researched that the other two don't know much about. But this week, Cam's come in and he's going to give us a report on a topic, I know what it is, but I don't think Dave or Jess do. Oh, no. So we normally, I don't know if you've organised a question, Cam, no stress if you haven't, but we normally get on a topic with a question about the topic. Okay. I have a question that will hopefully give a little bit of a clue as to what the topic Mm. is. What is the most stolen book from libraries (laughs) that isn't looking for Alabrandi? Uh, porn. Oh, damn it. I forgot it was porn. Now I've got to rewrite the review. <laughs> Hang on. No, no, no. I am going to tell you what the answer is. The answer is, of course, the worldwide publishing phenomenon, Guinness Book of Records. Awesome. That's so funny because I thought you were going to do it about the beer. But this is cool too. <laughs> this makes more sense actually. <laughs> makes a lot more sense. A bit more on brand, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Did I? Sorry, I'm so sorry. Did I accidentally give away the fact that started this? In a, <laughs> whoops! Sorry about that. <laughs> the, the most stolen thing. Sorry about. That. I had no idea what you were going to talk. about. I tried to throw you off the scent. I tried so hard to throw you off the scent, but you know, I ran out of Alabrandi facts very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got the name of the book, the name of the author, and one of the actors from the film. Nothing else can be said about it, unfortunately. <laughs> Now, we're going to go deep on the Guinness Book of Records today, guys. I want to Fantastic. tell you everything about it because Alexi and I, obviously our new podcast is a little bit about that book and about a specific record from that book. But also we have very strong opinions mm. about Guinness that we have not been allowed to put on our own podcast. <laughs> have you yes. been silenced by the... We we have been silenced by not only Guinness, but tragically the Australian Broadcasting Corporation have said that we are not allowed to be libelous or slanderous (laughs) towards the Guinness organisation. But you are absolutely happy to bring that that libel suit to our podcast. Yeah, it's fine. I think it's fine coming from you guys. You know, this is indie. (coughs) We can't do it from the government, from the gulf, but we can do it from an indie label like you guys. That's okay. I think we just cover our asses. I mean, I just did my ABC defamation training just the other day. So I think if we just say allegedly a lot, we're fine. Okay. Yeah. Allegedly. That's good. That's <laughs> well, good. Guinness can allegedly kiss my freaking ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They can allegedly do that because um, we have been up to our freaking eyeballs with Guinness over the last, like, year basically and I want to say that they have been a very allegedly, allegedly. Very, <laughs> very difficult organization to work with. It kind mm. of all started because we very before we even started recording the podcast, we were reaching out to them to ask them about this specific record that we wanted information about. Mm. And I went legit first up. I went straight to the PR team yep. and said, "Can you give us some information about this?" I asked them a lot of specific questions. And they just pretty much wrote back straight up, no, we do not give out any information because of data breach. We don't want to give out any of our data and all this kind of shit. Just like absolute. absolute. Allegedly, they suck. Yeah, just (laughs) absolute pish posh coming from these guys. 
So then we did a little bit of uh, investigative journalism mm-hmm. and we found the name of an adjudicator for yes. Guinness because she, her name was in an article in the paper and I stalked her on social media. Allegedly Cameron stalked them on social media. <laughs> yeah, good, good. That's I want to cover your side too, Cam. <laughs> yeah, and try to get in touch with her on like all platforms. She ignored them but then... A friend of ours in the biz tracked down her phone number. We cold called her and she was very polite over the phone. We were like, Mm. hey, we're podcasters. We're from the ABC. We're doing a podcast about a Guinness record. We know you're an adjudicator. We'd love to pick your brains a little bit. And she was very polite. And she was like, I'm just in the middle of cooking dinner. I'll call you back after dinner. And can I just say the call never came back. (laughs) Was it even dinner time? (laughs) (laughs) It's very... Very confronting. So then a few days after that, the PR team reached out to us again. So obviously she's gone back and snitched to them and been like, mm-hmm. look, these <laughs> fucking nerds won't <laughs> leave us alone. They They've hassled me all me. over my social media and somehow got my phone number. And the PR team are like, we'll try and collaborate with you. So, you know, give us any more questions, any more, any way we can help, we will. Um, we wrote down a very specific list of things we wanted and they wrote back again basically saying, no, we cannot. So that's when we realised that the only way to ensure contact with Guinness is if we apply for a Guinness World Record. That way we'll have to talk to these freaking guys. We have right. to go in on the inside. And what yeah. was the record we were going to apply for, Alexi? We were applying for me to be considered for world's youngest podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> There's, and we looked it up. There's way younger podcasters yeah, out there. But, but they the, did not try to go for the record. Yeah, there's no record for it. So if you so go I'm in, setting the bar. I'm setting it. <laughs> and it can immediately be beat by the nine-year-old that has a podcast in Canada or whatever. But if you start it, you know. Exactly. You yeah, give you something to for them to work towards. Exactly. Have any of you guys ever applied for a Guinness World Record before? I have. Oh, for your show. Yeah. I did your show years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that was about five years ago at the Melbourne Fringe Festival. I applied to do the uh, longest ever variety show that I hosted with uh, Adam Knox. Mm. We had a lot of uh, people come perform. Thank you so much for donating your time. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, so it was this whole thing we have to reply. They give you all these rules, all this criteria. And we had the guys here from Stupid Old, Evan and Beck came out. They had to film everything so there was no break in the tape. You have to send them a massive mm. file. I think it ended up going for nearly 13 hours or something. And there's wow. all these rules like as MCs we could only be on for four minutes or so. So you can't go up and just do an hour long. Mm. Yeah. You've got to keep changing, keep changing, keep changing. And unfortunately it takes so long to uh, for them to assess the record. By the time we got the footage and everything over there, they said, oh, sorry, someone in New York just did it for 24 hours. Oh, oh. Just Probably it. Chris Gethard or someone like that who just snaked it from you. Yeah, yeah it was um, allegedly they do suck. <laughs> <laughs> I remember doing your, uh, it was during Melbourne Comedy Festival, I think, you had the world record show and I went for most... Temporary tattooed man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he went off. And you, you went off into a little little bathroom for about forty five minutes yeah. throughout the whole show. Bring you on at the end, and you were just covered in these crappy little cheap tattoos that we'd supplied you. And it wasn't um, it wasn't that impressive because you had like you had like a hundred sheets of these things, but they still only covered just my chest and back. I think nothing else. Yeah. So it wasn't I'll that try impressive. And- 
I'll try. I'm sure I've got a photo somewhere. I'll post that this week of, of you. I think there's a couple, at least a couple on your face. Yeah, you're right. I think I've got that too. And from memory, oh no, maybe this is a tale out of school. But I heard, is it true that one that Greg Larson went for a record um, first person to spontaneously? <laughs> oh, it was, um, do you remember? Yeah, it was, it was um, fastest time. To get an erection without touching yourself and then playing Baker Street on saxophone. (laughs) (laughs) So, and Andy Matthews, who Adam and I also co-hosted that show with, had... Is very handy that we all know that, and he built a, a soundproof booth <laughs> that Greg sat in on stage, which covered his lower half. But you could, it was like watching someone sitting in a shed, and he was wow. sitting see the audience for the whole show watching this guy <laughs> trying to will an erection without touching himself. And then he just had to kick down the door and start playing. <laughs> And then he played it and then he just slunked back into the shed and closed the door. Oh, it was so funny. Oh, my God. So he made made it happen. Yeah, he got it happen. Well, he made something happen. I don't know if you call it a full erection. (laughs) (laughs) We paid it. We paid it. Everyone's a bloody critic. Yeah, jeez. Well, they're very you, you difficult to deal with, Guinness. We did the same thing. We went through the application process, which takes forever, and you have to pay like five pounds just to apply. Mm-hmm. And then they say to uh, read your assessment, you know, we'll get back to you within like six months or something. It's something absurd, like this long period of time. And they, But then they go, or you, we'll get back to you in nine business days if you pay this fast track fee, which is $1,000 non-refundable. <laughs> Oh. oh my god! So you can do that. Did the people at the ABC pay? We this asked fee? them. Flat yeah. out, got to know. Flat oh. out, for that. Come on! And we I even put in that first five pounds, and they still yeah. didn't put in the rest. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. It was a thousand dollars US or something too, wasn't it? It was something yeah. great. So it was even more. And then, uh, even then, if you get fast tracked with that grand, non-refundable, they can still get back to you in nine business days and say. We don't think your record's good. There's a nine-year-old kid that has a podcast in Canada, (laughs) so you know it's not it's not going to happen for you, dude. Fucking insane! There are allegedly quite a racket. So we wanted to kind of give you a bit of a a thorough history of those guys today, and hopefully that will give uh, your listeners and our listeners, if they're listening to this, a full a full a full portrait of what this company is and what they stand for. And um, why they suck, allegedly. <laughs> so that's kind of what we're going to do for you guys. Do they have nothing to do with the beer, the brewery? I'm so glad you asked because that will be answered in my report. Okay, great. Oh, right. fantastic. And you get halfway through and you just say, nothing to do with the beer. <laughs> <laughs> but don't spoil it coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. I, know, I really know nothing about them. No, me either. Think. But you do like the beer. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, it's an okay beer. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. I, like, I mean, I like stout, but I don't know. It's fair. It's very full. It's, very, it's just such a full. It's a, it's a meal. on beer. It's a, it's yeah, a meal. It's beer. a meal. And, um, I like it on occasion, but I prefer nearly all other stouts. <laughs> I'm glad we got that on the record. <laughs> Because if that's going to offend some of the some of the Irish listeners, probably someone someone had a go at me once. I posted a photo drinking a stout in a glass, and he go he commented, 
if you if you if someone served a stout in that glass in Ireland, they would be killed. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe during the troubles, but I don't know if that's, I don't like, know if Jesus, anymore. What's going on? Yeah. They prefer it wrapped up in some pastry and cooked in the oven. Eat it like a pie, <laughs> Dave Warnicky style. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I, oh, best thing about Guinness is a Guinness uh, beef and Guinness pie. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. absolutely. And it's a great cooking ingredient, no doubt. So I've got two of your opinions on Guinness, the uh, the beverage. Yes, what's yours on the beverage? Yeah, it's fine. Great. Okay. I think I've had a sip. And <laughs> <laughs> gone, I'm, oh, yep, I've done it. <laughs> All right, should I launch into the report? Yeah. Let's do it. Are you guys ready? So ready. I'm prepared. Alexi, I'm ready. are you ready? I am. I actually have been waiting quite some time for you to start reading, Cameron. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the pale sun rises on a chilly autumn Irish morning. The morning is Irish because we are in Ireland. Wow. Oh. I've written this more like a reveal. short story than a report. <laughs> but it's not that short. <laughs> <laughs> a, a long story, if you will. A blessed part of this earth that is equal parts prehistoric rock, smoky Celtic mysticism, and also the place where the band U2 is from. <laughs> a thin mist hes- lingers hesitantly over the frozen ground, like the foamy head of a tall pint of Guinness. <laughs> Foreshadowing? <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> Where are we? We are in a place called North Slob, <laughs> an area of mud flaps at the estuary of the River Slaney, and a place that definitely could have had a name rethink North Slob. <laughs> North Slob. <laughs> North that Slob and real. Mud Flaps in the same <laughs> sentence. My God, I'm in heaven right now. <laughs> uh, but the more important question is not where, but when are we? Oh. We are on the 10th of November, 1951, six years after WW2, five years before Elvis Presley first swiveled those hips on Ed Sullivan. All in all, a time when music and culture officially sucked ass. <laughs> <laughs> the Irish morning silence is broken by a solitary gunshot. Pew! A fl- oh, the silence <laughs> was that good? <laughs> That's great. That was, that was pretty good. Thank you. Thank that you. was pretty good. Well done. A flutter of wings take off from the reeds in panic. The bullet hits nothing but thick Irish air. We're in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> The bullet came from a nearby shooting party, a group of upper-crust wealthy gentlemen who regularly participate in the hyper-masculine activity of strolling around the countryside shooting guns at little birdies. (laughs) The men in the party all begin laughing in unison, all except for one man. That man's name was Sir Hugh Beaver, the managing director of Guinness Breweries. So, Matt, that should answer your question. Yeah, they're his, involved. His name is one letter off Huge Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're definitely not a virgin. Yeah, <laughs> knowledge that's like right. that. That's Thank the, you, that's right. The actual first Guinness World Record was for world's biggest vagina and it actually was this guy. World's biggest. How do you measure? I know. And again, it the was... patriarchy took it. So it's just, <laughs> it's typical. 
typical yeah. of fifties. The fellas were all laughing at Sir Hugh Beaver because he had missed his shot <laughs> at the easy target of a nearby golden plover, which I've read is a type of bird. Sir Hugh, every inch the absolute rich cunt you're imagining, became instantly furious at their mockery and started an argument. For the remainder of this report, the part of Sir Hugh Beaver will be played by Alexei Toliopoulos. Alexei, <laughs> your line. How dare you laugh at me? I'm one of the best shots, not only in this part, but in all these mudflats. I only missed the shot because the golden <laughs> plover is actually the fastest game bird in the world, okay? <laughs> Someone else piped up saying that they believe the red grouse was actually the fastest game bird in the world, but Sir Hugh replied... No, 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 it's definitely the golden plover. <laughs> the other guy said, no, it's the red grouse. Absolutely not. It's the golden plover. That's the fast bird in the land for goodness cakes. And that's the only reason I missed the shot, okay? I promise you that. <laughs> and the other guy said, no, it's actually the red grouse. And they went back and forth. I mean, this is the kind of argument that only rich people can have. I don't know if any of you guys have ever argued over grouse versus plover speed-wise, mm. but it's never come up in my life before. Not in relation to speed, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, to what plumage, are we, what are we of course. about in your family? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, uh, the 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 plumage and the um, <laughs> the uh, most, beak most size. Fuck, most fuckable. Oh, most fuckable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's biggest vagina on a bird. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a cloaca, and they're oh. all incredibly humongous. That's true. <laughs> and the cloaca, Alexi, is what exactly? It is the both features, both holes on the bird, the anus and the punani. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a bit too technical there. You lost me. <laughs> oh my god! <clears throat> so they're arguing, refusing to back down. So Hugh dragged the entire shooting party back to the nearby Castle Bridge Manor and insisted they spend the afternoon looking up reference books and ornithological texts in the vast library in order to prove once and for all which bird was the fastest. Imagine if you were at this party. What an absolute piece of <laughs> wow. shit this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> Completely railroading the whole afternoon. Like, no, 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 back to the library. <laughs> well, Lexi would be sitting there with, like, the reference book, but inside it, looking for Ella Brandy's right. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. We were looking for Ella Brandy, but we found a friend. They didn't find an answer, but Sir Hugh Beaver found an idea, an idea that would become a worldwide publishing phenomenon, which is a phrase that I've already said and is also a phrase that the Guinness World Records website says over and over again, like five or six <laughs> times on every page. They refer themselves as a worldwide publishing phenomenon. Sir Hugh Beaver exclaimed... Eureka, I have an idea for a reference book that will feature all the answers to questions that people argue about over dinner, at the pub, or while shooting little birds and their <laughs> friends. This will be an encyclopedia before facts and trivia. It will be a book of records. <laughs> yes. That was a wonderful performance. Thank you so much. I've been doing a lot more acting this year, so... Um, I don't have management, but just DM me on Instagram or Twitter and I will likely act in your TV show, but no student films. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Hugh knew instantly that he was onto a once-in-a-lifetime stroke of genius idea. This sort of thing didn't exist. There was no trivial pursuit. There was no Ripley's Believe It or Not starring Dean Cain. There's no <laughs> way that this wouldn't be a hit. He was so certain of his idea's potential success that he instantly forgot about it for four entire years. <laughs> That An is true. Olympiad. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you know, I don't know what he did in those four years, but there's a huge gap on the Guinness uh, history page and everywhere. I've looked everywhere, and it just it doesn't tell you what he did in that time. Got a lot of birds. Could have been shooting birds. Yeah, you know, he went back out by himself and just shot. He took it out on all those golden plovers. Yeah, they got sure. fucked up. Oh no, they're actually extinct now. Oh, strangling them. Four years later, Sir Hugh Beaver was in yet another argument, this time inside a pub, this time about who the fastest marathon runner in the world was. He exclaimed out loud, If only there was some kind of book behind the bar that could settle this argument once and for all, a book that would settle all pub arguments, a book that people could read while sipping a delicious foamy room temperature Guinness beer and be amazed at the strength of the human spirit. After he said this, he remembered that he'd already thought of this idea four years <laughs> earlier. <laughs> and he decided then and there to finally make his dream project a reality. I'm going to take a little sidebar here for a second. This is something that I think maybe Matt would be interested in. You're a bit of a beer guy. You love getting up amongst the hops and the ale and the barley and the sugar and the... Uh, malt. The malt. And, and glasses, glasses that the beer gets poured in. Yeah, yeah, love you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Drink them out uh, of... Pouring out of a tap. Out of a tap, but not a tap yeah. like in the toilet. Like it's a t- no, different kind no, of tap. No, no. Yeah, like a, yeah, like a beer tap. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You love different. that sort of stuff. I love that some of that stuff, yeah. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Guinness, as a beer company back in the olden days, they didn't have their own venues or pubs or anything like that. Did you know that, Matt? I didn't know. I didn't know that. Well, maybe you should have read taught the... an absolute lesson today. <laughs> Maybe you won't run your mouth so much next time. <laughs> <laughs> About Guinness. They did not. They uh, they didn't own any pubs or licensed venues at all. So whereas other beers at the time, they could sell their own product in their own pubs, Guinness relied exclusively on advertising to try and get people to drink their disgusting, thick, dark goop <laughs> that they call a beer. They used. They had a lot of crazy advertising back in the day. They had a toucan. Drinking a beer. Imagine that. That's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess all, you, you still see all their old ads around for some reason. Yeah, like, I've seen that my, one. My goodness, my goodness. Yep, that's yeah, that's one of them. Vice versa. You see it around in like people's house, like, you know, my parents sort of friends <laughs> age house. They all have these kind of things. Yeah. I'm probably extrapolating from one person mm. I saw <laughs> one time. You see, them, you see them around at Mark's house all the time. <laughs> If you're ever in the downstairs room. <laughs> I mean, to that generation, it's the height of wit to have a little Guinness slogan up there. They think it's extremely funny. It is funny. They were funny. There's ads. one with an ostrich with a, a Guinness glass halfway down its long neck. Oh, my God. That's a lot of animals trying to drink beers in their advertising. Mm. <laughs> to be honest, funnier. that is actually funny to me to imagine an animal <laughs> drinking a beer. It's pretty funny. <laughs> 
Their most famous ad at the time was a, a giant uh, billboard with a drawing of a pint glass on it that was empty and a slogan in all caps that said, Guinness is good for you. And I just love back then when you could just say whatever the fuck you wanted in an ad and people were like, okay. <laughs> like, Nine like, out of ten doctors agree. That yeah. sort of <laughs> like smoking all the old was ads healthy for back cigarettes then. and shit. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, amazing. They'd have actual doctors on, on TV saying smoking will – and they'll say it in their doctor's labs or whatever. They'd say to people, if you're pregnant, you want to go menthol. <laughs> <laughs> Give that baby a little cool breeze down south from a menthol cigarette. <laughs> so Hugh Beaver thought if he could put a book of pub trivia – with the Guinness logo on the front cover in every pub, it would be free advertising and they might even make a couple of bucks from drunk idiots who'd buy the book. He knew that he'd finally come up with the greatest idea of his life, (laughs) an idea that could eventually become a worldwide publishing phenomenon. He was so determined this time that he only forgot about it for (laughs) one more year. <laughs> Again, there's another gap here on the. I don't know what happened in that year. Not a full Olympiad, so I don't know what he did. Commonwealth mm. Game? Yeah, they do those yeah. every year, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was on. Okay, let's let's skip ahead. We're skipping ahead a year now. So, Cam, there, there was a. There's another universe where the Guinness World Record book was called Beaver's mm. Big Book of <laughs> Facts or something. <laughs> They might like he must have thought about going it for himself. Famous <laughs> big book of facts. <laughs> and it's just him making up shit that he believes. Yeah. It's all just <laughs> he says like you may think that this is the strongest man in the world, but actually the golden plover much stronger. Okay? <laughs> golden plover world's most perfect bird. <laughs> It was a balmy October English evening. The evening is English because we are in England now in the story. So we've moved locations for those of you who can't keep up. I'm a little lost, Cam. We're in England. (laughs) Okay. Play London Calling or something like that so we know where we are. So a a note to your producer, chuck in London Calling (laughs) here or um, maybe some Burt Bacharach or something. (laughs) Yeah. So Hugh Beaver was at a dinner party where he had a chance encounter with not one but two experts on facts, figures and records who could be the perfect people to help him bring his dream book to life. These two men were Norris and Ross McWhirter, two two twins and nerds from England, the McWhirter twins. The McWhirters were nationally known sports journalists in the United Kingdom. They were sort of the Ray Barone of their time. Ray Barone <laughs> is a character that Ray Romano plays in Everybody Loves Raymond. Alexi Toliopoulos now is going to give us a little bit of a backstory on Ray Barone. Thank you, Alexi. Born October 9th, 1958, Raymond Albert or Ray Barone, is the titular and main character of Everybody Loves Raymond. And the show thus focuses with certainty, with centrality on Ray. He's the husband of Deborah, the brother of Robert, the father of Ali, Michael and Jeffrey, who are twins like the McWhorter brothers. <laughs> and he's also the obedient son of Frank and Marie Barone. He appears in over two, in in 210 episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond and one episode of The Nanny, where he plays a former high school colleague of Fran Drescher. 
Do you want me to do one on he, the nanny as well? Can, can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for context, what's the nanny? The nanny is a show starring and created by Fran Drescher. It takes place in Queens for a few minutes of the first episode. Then from there, she's taken from her work as a bridal shop and leaves Flushing and then becomes a nanny at... The Sheffield residents. The Sheffield is a family that is one dad, three kids, uh, a butler, and a friend of the family that works at the house as well, uh, called Cece. There is no mum. I think she's dead. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, the McWhorter twins are kind of like that. The McWhorters... I, I get it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're sort of like Ray Barone. Um, everybody the loves book, these guys. Yeah, everybody the, loves them around England at the time. The book could have been called McWhorter Beaver's Big Book of Facts. <laughs> yeah, this is like it feels like a lost opportunity. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, the McWhorters were known for their previously published sports trivia book, their photographic memories, their knowledge of all world history, and much later for their conservative politics which would tragically lead to one of the twins being assassinated by the IRA. But don't worry, I won't get into that part of the story. Sir Hugh Beaver invited the McWhorters to his stately manor for a luncheon. The table is set with silver tankards of piping hot Guinness beer and oceans of sherry. They're boiling. <laughs> boiling. Like, they bring it to the boil and then they pour it into a silver tanker. Oh, wow. mm, delicious. <laughs> I'm uh, genuinely craving a Guinness right now. Uh, I don't know if it's your descriptions or what, or just knowing how, how much they've fucked you guys well, over recently. Better put the kettle on. Put a kettle of Guinness on. <laughs> Thick, juicy steaks are served with mountains of mashed potatoes, gravy, onions and fresh beans. This was only two months after the end of rationing in the UK, so the McWhorters are eating like kings for the first time in their lives, probably. I mean, these are humble sports journalists. They don't normally eat stuff like this. So Hugh Beaver, however, only eats a single apple during this luncheon. Instead, he watches these two twins gorge themselves on his sumptuous feast. Mm. He didn't know it at the time, but by watching two twins eat mountains of food, he was unlocking a kink within him that he could never <laughs> put back in the cage. <laughs> I mean, I've taken creative license with that. I don't know. He did apparently only eat an apple during their lunch. but wow. in Do you my think that mind, was a power move? Uh, I beg your pardon? Do you think that was a power move? I think so. He's like, yeah, yeah. you guys eat all this shit. I'm just going to sit here and munch a crisp apple in front of you guys. Um, Is there anything in his future that sort of points to the fact that a kink was unlocked there? Uh, he, no, makes, I, I, he makes mukbang videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he invents mukbang shortly after this. So Alexi, you're talking to... Two-thirds of a room of virgins here. They're not going to understand what that means. Explain it for their benefit. <laughs> well, it's um, it's a YouTube phenomenon that I dream of one day taking part in where it's just people gorging themselves on lots of different foods and there's some sort of eroticism around it as well. Yeah, is it erotic? Like, are Inc they being sexy when they do it? Incredibly so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, not particularly, but, you know, people watch videos on the internet and you can't blame them for what happens to them and their chemicals within their body, you know? Mm, yes. I mean, if Greg Larson can conjure an erection <laughs> to sheer willpower, 
<laughs> and Lord knows what a fella could do with a mukbang video. <laughs> okay. Before the twins have even had a chance to digest their first few bites of delicious Angus beef, Sir Hugh Beaver begins launching questions at them and much to both of their surprise, they answer them all correctly. Alexi is going to play uh, Sir Hugh Beaver and both of the McWhorter twins for this moment. Okay, I'm going to try two different voices for these. Okay. So this is Mr. Beaver asking the questions in the voice that I've already given to this character. Who gave the longest filibuster? Wayne Morse, April 24th, 1953, 22 hours and 26 minutes. And who spent the most time squatting a flagpole? Bill Penfold, 51 days, 20 hours. Good job. That was. I think that was really good acting. And if anyone is listening, please mm-hmm. uh, DM Alexi on Instagram. Or Twitter. Or Twitter. Uh, we'll, I will act in TV shows. I will not do any student or short films. <laughs> How about feature films? I would do a feature if it has a budget, but if it's just a couple of mates pointing a camera at me for one and a half hours while I eat mukbang style, <laughs> I will not do it. <laughs> have you guys done? And you, I don't think you have. You should do an episode on flagpole sitting. That was a that was the record that Alexi just said. There is the McWhorters. Did you know that was an actual trend in the 20s? It was like it became popular for people to climb up flagpoles and just sit on the top of them and see how long they could last. And did Was the record there 50 days? Yeah, one guy got 51 days and 20 hours. The previous was record a, remember, before that was 13 hours. He smashed wow. it. That's, yeah. That's embarrassing. Wow. There was a song in the 90s, I reckon, yeah. called Flagpoles. Harvey Danger. Is it Harvey Danger? Yeah, that's all. Harvey I didn't Danger. know that was. Didn't realize that what what that was referencing. Yeah, the popular trend: flagpole sitting. How shit did the twenties sound? <laughs> <laughs> we have come across that a lot in the show, where we'll talk about something happening in the old days, and the whole town turns out for it, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like yeah. some kid has been lost for a couple of days. He's found. The whole town turns out. There's fire twirlers and stuff like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they, wait, they wait like six days in the snow to see a train go by for eight seconds. Oh, my God. There were, once there were, were triplets or whatever the fire version of triplets is and, yeah, people came from around the world to see him. Sorry, the, a, so can you ask the, the five version of triplets? Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. is that 15 or? No, you got what well, you got, well, you know, single kids, you got you got normal. Kids. Triple kids, yeah, <laughs> normals, <laughs> double. I prefer twins, double yeah. kids. <laughs> double kids, then you got triples, yeah. then you got um, quadrupeds, and then you got the five version of triplets. Yeah. yeah. Actually, now that you've said it, I realise I don't even know what the word is for the five version of triplets. Is it it's quintuplet. Quintuplets. Quintuplets. Wow. That's, One of my yeah. favourite I mean, directors. A bit clunky. <laughs> the twins were unfazed by this grilling and successfully answer every single question. So then Sir Hugh Beaver brings in his entire board of directors for the Guinness Company and they all start firing off questions while the McWhorters move on from steak and veggies to probably trifle and custard or boysenberry cheesecake or macarons or something <laughs> fancy. So that's so were they wa- were they waiting in the wings to come out? <laughs> yeah, they must have been in another room. <laughs> and he opens up double doors, I'm imagining, and then like... Ten people file in and they all have their own questions ready to um, go. What's the most exciting movie of all time? What's the coolest movie? <laughs> Donnie, okay, Donnie Darko. Got it written down now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Norris and Ross McWhorter didn't miss a beat and got every answer correct. 
After the last sloppy scraps of jam, cream and scones were gone, Sir Hugh, I'm making up what they ate. So, <laughs> but those scones there, what was the order? Did it go scone, then jam, then cream? Now, I think you do. I mean, I'll tell you what I do. I do jam right. first and then I pop dairy on top. Am I correct? Fantastic. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. That's yes, the Guinness World Record for most perfect scone. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, people that put cream on first, I think you're just fucking the knife up and I don't, I don't really like that one bit. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's you. probably a cream quality issue, Cam. So yeah, that's yeah. probably what's oh, do happening. Do you do cream first? Get a thicker, get, get a thicker cream. That's crazy to put jam on last. Now, no, Alexi, do you guys have scones in Greek? Yeah, we do. Okay, we put freaking yogurt on them. Okay, not cream. <laughs> 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 we do yogurt and honey. Okay, it's quite numb. That actually does sound good. That sounds awesome. That sounds delicious. After the last sloppy scraps of scones were gone. Sir Hugh Beaver was convinced that these two know-it-all freaky-deaky twins were just the guys for the job. He told them to make their way to his accounts department at Guinness head office and ask for as much money as they wanted to get a book out within the year. I just realised how scary it is that there's these two twins that just know everything. That's <laughs> yeah, scary to me. <laughs> they know the answer to every question and they just share this, like, knowledge between them. That's... That's more suspicious to me that there's something like ethereal and otherworldly going on here. Yeah, and and the IRA was so intimidated that they blew one of them up. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit later. A little bit later on. We'll get to that, but I might skip over it because it is a bit sad. (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. (laughs) They officially started the company Guinness Superlatives, one of the great business names and opened an office on Fleet Street, London, and embarked on an exhaustive 13-and-a-half-week research phase as they put together what would become the first Guinness Book of Records, published 27 August 1955. Now, everyone, I want you to go around the room and guess how many copies they sold on the first run. 
30,000. Not bad. Uh, 15,000. Hmm. 1,000. Jess is the closest. <laughs> oh. They sold zero Co- copies. <laughs> 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 Hugh, <laughs> so Hugh Beaver had a canny idea that he would give every copy away to uh, all the pubs in the UK. At the time, wow. there was 82,000 pubs in the UK. Oh, um, which you'd like, Matt. You're a beer guy. <laughs> it's right up your alley. My whole personality. <laughs> then they reached out to bookstores and asked if they would like to stock it. Bookstores were suspicious of this strange little trivia book at first. Like, this kind of thing didn't exist at the time. In fact, one retailer, WH Smith's, predicted that it would be a disaster and only op- ordered six copies of the book for the entire United Kingdom. They sold all of them out within an hour or so. Later that morning, they upped their order to 100 copies, then 1,000 by the afternoon, and then by the end of the week, 10,000 copies, all by word of mouth from these drunks at the pub that raved about the book. (laughs) Wow. Their second run, they sold 70,000 copies. They reprinted three more editions that year, and by December, they were at the top of the British bestsellers list with 187,000 copies sold, not including the 82,000 that were given away at the start of the year. The Guinness Book of Records was officially a publishing phenomenon. I can say it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And again, I just want to reiterate, that's not like a statement on how good the work of the McWhirters and Beaver were. It's more just like how shit culture was in 1955 that a trivia book blew up. (laughs) The team settled into a rhythm of one edition of the book per year, released around October to coincide with Christmas shopping, over the years, many incredible records were made, including, Alexi, this is where I'd like you to give us some amazing records. I've put together my favourite and most scary records from when I was a kid. One of them is for the smallest waist in the world for a living person. This is mm. Kathy Young. She has held the Guinness World Record for most of our lifetime. I remember and I would. Do you want to guess what object her waist is the same size as? Oh. Oh, I'm scared. A grape. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> two well, grapes. Okay. A two-litre bottle of Solo. <laughs> Matt, um, you're actually quite close. It is a jar of mayonnaise is what she says her, oh, her oh waist is the size of. And yeah. she is currently 87 years old and she still wears a corset every day because she can't do anything else about it. This is her lot in life now. She must wear a corset every day. <laughs> right. So it's a – wait. So what – so she corsets herself to the size of a jar. Into the size of a jar of mayonnaise. So she has got um, a normal-sized chest area, an extremely <laughs> tiny waist area that has been corseted down, and then she has a regular size underneath that area as well. <laughs> the cloaca <laughs> of the female form. <laughs> to be said anything. So her ribcage and everything would be like, would have just slowly... Changed how it was because of the corsets. Jesus yeah. Christ. That's what corsets do. I don't think I understood that. Yeah. They're made to make you actually change 
permanently your shape. Well, if you what? wear them that often and that tight with that purpose, I'm sure that's what happens. Holy but yeah. if you just chuck it on to do a little burlesque number here or there, probably won't do yeah. too much. <laughs> but you can find out more about her on her website, kathyyoung.com. But check it out soon because she uses Adobe Flash Play, which goes out of business very soon. <laughs> and then we've also got uh, the... Ramos Gomez family and they are known as the largest hairy family. And <laughs> yeah, I remember these. <laughs> these are a Mexican family that have the entirety of their family of 19 people that span five generations all suffer a rare condition called congenital generalized hypertrichosis, which means they are hairy. Everywhere, including the face and the torso, including the ladies. The women are described as being covered with a light to medium coat of hair, while the men of the family have thick hair, approximately 98% of their body, apart from their hands and feet. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. Just imagine that. That's what you're known as. We're the, ha- we're the hairiest family in the world. Well, I'm getting like they applied to be have this. Yeah, that's right? right. They're not. It's not like they're telling Guinness to fuck off. <laughs> Guinness like no, people must know. Guinness turned up on their doorstep with a certificate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your neighbours nominated you for this. <laughs> Another one of my favourites who always terrify me is Kim Goodman, and she has the record for farthest eyeball pop. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. They often put her in the promo material, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, she's <laughs> everywhere. You can find videos of her online, on Ripley's Believe It or Not, everywhere. You know this lady. You know her because her eyeballs pop quite far out of her head. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a normal photo of her, but if you're imagining a lady with eyeballs dangling out of her head, <laughs> that is her. She can pop them out 12 millimetres. Is I What? Is this what is this what Beaver wanted? Is this what, <laughs> when he started his dream? Is this where he saw it going? Can you imagine someone going up to those twins? Okay, okay, who has the lo- the biggest eyeball pop? Kim Goodman. <laughs> she can pop it out twelve millimeters outside of her head. <laughs> Did it take long for it to go for like fast as bird to sort of sideshow freaky? It seemed um, like it records? happened kind of in about a decade and a half. It sort of You're ramped right. up very quickly from sports and history and like agricultural facts to amazing bodies. To yeah, it feels like amazing bodies. <laughs> if they're smashing one out every year, like a lot of those records probably wouldn't change every every twelve months. So they've just got to keep expanding. Right. Yeah, they've got to find yeah. new records. Yeah, exactly. Hairiest people. Hairiest people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good yes. point. Yeah. The bird. There's no evolution. Yeah, that's right. That, that bird is the fastest game bird until you kill every one of those birds. <laughs> and you've tapped into something very apropos right now, which is that the book does begin to change over the next little while, specifically over the next two decades. I'm going to skip over most of the 60s, but to catch you up a little bit, it was a very groovy time, very shagadelic. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Sir Hugh Beaver passed away in 1967, tragically. Whoa. It's yeah. the same year that Dr. Evil got frozen. Yeah, yes, it was. Um, <laughs> he was survived by two daughters that he had with his wife, Jean, who was also his second cousin. Freaky, freaky stuff. Whoa. <laughs> 60s does seem like an appropriate time for the beaver to be around, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The beaver, he checked out. He checked out in 67. <laughs> he said, I've seen Summer enough. Love. <laughs> 
The McWhirters became, like, famous in a weird way. In the UK, they hosted a TV show called Record Breakers that started in 1972 and ran through to, like, 2001. They stopped being on it in the 80s. But they were, like, these two freaky twins who people would quiz on world records and they would... It sounds like the worst show of all time. People just mm. asking them questions and them answering. I'm English game them... shows are so strange. <laughs> they, I've, I've been watching a few this week. They're... It's like they don't real the contestants don't seem to know the cameras are rolling. It's just like <laughs> they're doing it like half asleep. It's so weird. It's you know you, like they'll have like all these shiny things going on and then uh, oh yeah I'm, uh, well, uh, yeah uh, people weren't camera ready in the seventies and eighties. They didn't know, but now they're all stars. And then, like I mentioned, one of them was uh, assassinated by the IRA. But I don't really want to talk about it. I mean, you've brought it up three times <laughs> It sounds now. like you do want to talk about it. It's okay no, if you want to talk about uh, it, I refuse to talk about it. It's incredibly <laughs> fascinating, but it is also incredibly sad. Anyway. See, because it's, that's what I said. Do they have, like, you said political opinions. It's not because they were on this quiz show <laughs> where people were annoyed at them or something. No, people weren't like, we need to, st- we need to stop these know-it-all yeah. twins. Yeah. They know too much. <laughs> no, they got they became political conservatives, and uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But um, was that that was an IRA type accent there, Cam? I, they no, I just kind of tried to pick generic, different accent to me, and then it sort of I don't know what it ended up as. It sounded like Captain Barbosa or something. Arr, yeah, it was definitely yes. high seas. We need to kill the McWhorters. <laughs> you best start believing in fairy tales. You're in the Guinness World Records. <laughs> <laughs> Let's skip ahead a little bit. Slick rain falls on a soupy grey English morning. Wow. The morning is English because we are still in England for this part <laughs> of the story. London calling from the underground, just so everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. You can replace that with, like, the actual track when you guys yeah. edit this. <laughs> but more important than where are we is when are we. <laughs> We're in September in the year of our Lord, 1999, and the first run of the Guinness Book of Records 2000 Millennium Edition has just hit the shelves. What's significant about this edition, you ask? Well, I'll answer. This is the first of the books as we know them today, a book made up mostly of pictures and illustrations with less printed records than in previous years, all bound within a shimmering silver lenticular holographic (gasps) embossed cover. Wow. Yeah. Right. That's the only kind of version I think I know. So I assume they were always like that. No, they were previously They they weren't holographic in the 50s? (laughs) (laughs) They had to invent hologram technology for these book covers. Wow. Yes. This is the beginning of a new era for Guinness, one that will focus less on fact-finding and record-keeping and more on flashiness commercial appeal to families, and most of all, corporate synergy. That becomes a huge (laughs) part of this part of the report. (laughs) During this decade and the next, Guinness will continue to sell roughly 1 million copies a year, which is nothing to sneeze at, but there has been a significant drop-off during the 90s and the world of publishing is undeniably in a state of turmoil. Sorry to everyone who works in print media, but tragically you are circling the drain right now. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who has reviewed Flying Desperado positively in print media. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we hope for using you... your final words to be in praise of us. <laughs> we hope that you reskill and find a new medium. Perhaps even podcasting. Yeah, podcasting is forever. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Around the same time, rival record-setting companies like Record Setter or popular YouTube channels like Dude Perfect pop up to take away a significant bunch of eyeballs from the once-unique Guinness brand. The only eyeballs that have stayed loyal to Guinness are the bulging eyeballs of Kim Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> Who we've heard about earlier. I actually found out that she discovered her popping eyeball talent one day when she was hit over the head. And then her <laughs> eyeballs popped out much further than usual. And ever since then, she could pop them out on her further own free will. Further than usual. <laughs> further than usual. You know when you get hit upside the head and your eyeballs slightly pop out? Hers did it further than usual that time. <laughs> During the 2000s, Guinness makes a deliberate move to change the business model. A move that shifts away from celebrating the achievements of everyday human beings like us and towards highlighting the incredible feats of big companies like Yahoo, Intel, United Biscuits, Red Bull, Nissan, Richard Branson, DHL, Pepsi, Subway, and Sony. Finally, we didn't have to hear about the triumph of the human spirit, and we could watch multi-million dollar corporations get their moment in the sun for once. Thank you, Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> General Mills gets the record for the world's longest line of tacos, for example. United Biscuits gets the record for the longest game of dominoes. Yahoo did the world's longest yodel. And uh, Bill Gates got a world record, that son of a bitch. For um... <laughs> Actually, his is pretty good. It's for the world's largest donation to AIDS research, which is weird. I mean, it's good that he did it, but it's weird to get a world record for that, don't you? Yeah. Uh, he definitely did it for the record. <laughs> he asked... What's the current record? I'll beat that by $1. <laughs> it was an obscene amount of money, but, you know, good on your bill, but, you know, you don't need to be in the book for that. The way the business shifted is like this now. So a company, say Red Bull, will hire Guinness to consult with them on conceiving a new world record that they can oh. create and then break for publicity. The team from Guinness will work together with the Red Bull team and they'll come up with something like the Red Bull stratosphere jump or something with an extreme athlete attempting to become the first person to break the sound barrier in free fall. They'll train for that. They'll publicise it. Guinness will send an official adjudicator, probably like the one that we tried to contact and stalked <laughs> online. And uh, if you DM me about acting, I will give you her personal details. I still yeah, have yeah, we will thoughts. pass them on. <laughs> in fact, I saw a photo. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so she'll show up. Uh, and so will the press. Red Bull will break the previously non-existent world record because they made it up and receive lots of media attention for their brand, all with the help of and legitimacy of Guinness's prestige being attached to it. Guinness will do this for multiple companies every year, a service that Guinness has valued at $330,000 per record. Oh. So, so this is why you can't get hold of them. Yeah, we don't have 330 Your five pounds isn't quite going to cut it, is <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, so it seems like even that $1,000, that's chump change to Guinness. They're happy to take it because it means nothing to them. Guinness World Records has stopped being a worldwide publishing phenomenon and has effectively become an advertising firm, seamlessly mingling content with marketing. But that is not all. 
This is a little bit of uh, info that I've actually pilfered from John Oliver, the comedian, and uh, yeah, I guess he's kind of an investigative journalist like Alexi and I as well. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you yeah know, but... He's funny, but we're exciting when we do stuff like this as well. So, yeah. Are you jealous of John Oliver? <laughs> I actually am jealous of John Oliver's success. I wish I had it. <laughs> I wish I hosted a satire news program. <laughs> I'd watch that for sure. Yeah, I would, I would, I'd tune in or I'd like, you know. I would get I'd you to ride up. on it, Cam. All of us would be riding on my program about me taking the mickey out of the news. <laughs> Okay, so uh, this is a little bit crib from John Oliver. He reported it a couple of years ago on his show. Uh, it's not just big companies that are paying top dollar for Guinness experience, but also authoritarian governments like Turkmenistan, whose dicto- dictatorial leader holds multiple world records, including world's largest indoor Ferris wheel, highest density of buildings with white marble cladding, world's largest marble horse head statue and the world's longest single-line bicycle parade. So they go over to Turkmenistan, they give all these world records to this, like, dictator, basically. They've also worked... We're big, fan. We're big fans of Turkmenistan. Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. We did, we did an episode about the previous one. This will be the current guy who got the job because he was the old guy's dentist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's he might good. have passed on to his dentist by now. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it's still the same dentist. Still same the dentist. dentist is still in charge. He was in the news last week. Oh, is it the same guy? He, he built a uh, giant uh, gold statue of a dog. Oh, yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, the good people at Guinness are there to thank for it. <laughs> They've also worked with the oppressive regimes of Saudi Arabia, who have the world's largest flagpole and the world's largest cake, and the Dubai police force who hold 11 world records, including most consecutive formations formed by an unmanned aerial vehicles, which is just a bunch of drones that they fly around into a bunch of shapes. It's all very scary. Um, Cameron and I also just watched the movie Hannibal on our po- movie podcast, mm. Total Reboot, and there's literally a scene in it where Clarice Starling gets the Guinness World Record for most kills by a female FBI agent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if they actually give that world record out in real life, but it's in line. Someone turns up in the uniform and hands Clarice like the big frame certificate. <laughs> she gets it just, in the mail. She, she it opens it like, God damn it, I just got the Guinness World Record. That is actually in the movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they have a history of working with people like this. Um, uh, where did I They're get part of to? Big Hannibal. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so what does all of this mean? Now, look, Alexi and I are just humble comedians, but we are also critically acclaimed investigative journalists for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. And, and it we're is, not humble about that we're part. Not we're that only humble. humble about the comedy. The rest of it I'm very proud of. Very proud. And it is our professional opinion that what all of this means is that Guinness is fucked, allegedly. <laughs> they began life as a drunken argument by a rich guy who is bad at shooting birds... They evolved from a book of pub trivia to a TV show to a worldwide publishing phenomenon in the 20th century that showcased real people achieving real-world firsts. Since then, Guinness have devolved into a glorified advertising agency that specialises in lionising already ubiquitous and borderline evil brands like Coca-Cola and making custom-made propaganda for authoritarian dictators for undisclosed fees that must be in the millions. A lot has changed over the last 65 years, 
to this day, but one thing has remained constant. The world record for the fastest ever game bird is held by the Golden Plover. Oh, he was right all along. Was he or did he just (laughs) make this whole thing to fucking stick it to his mates from beyond the grave? (laughs) So that is the story of the Guinness World Records, a book that holds the record for the most best-selling copyrighted book selling over 100 million copies in 100 countries in over 37 languages, a fact that I read in itself. And they <laughs> refuse to speak to Alexi and I for their podcast, so we mm. fucking hate them. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a great report. Far out. That was great. So do they still make the book at all? Is that printed annually anymore or not at all? They still make the book. Um, you can check it out at your local Dimmicks or um, Borders. Two, yeah. two establishments that I don't think exist anymore. <laughs> That's how long it's been you- since I bought a book. The new one comes out just in time for Christmas every single year. The 2021 edition comes out right now. And no, we are not in it as world's youngest podcaster. We did not make the cut this year. We did not. I just remembered the scariest record when I was growing up, Alexi, was uh, Cam mentioned that they had a TV show in the, the 90s and 2000s. And they had an interview with a guy who was on there because he had the world's most deadly flesh-eating bacteria. Oh, oh my word. And he'd had both his legs and possibly an arm amputated. Oh. That was the only way to stop this thing. And it, it eaten away like in like 48 hours or something. And the only wow. thing he remembered doing, because he was just in America and he just got it, was he banged his leg on a table at home <gasps> under the, on the dining table. And I was watching this as a seven-year-old thinking, well, I can never touch a dining table <laughs> yeah. again. Oh, Dinner at the God. coffee table in front of the TV from now on. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good lord. Yeah, and I, honestly, that scared me a lot. They just yeah, shouldn't wow. put that on television, I don't think. Especially on a so kid's show. So before calling an ambulance, he called Guinness. <laughs> but I, got, I got something for you. <laughs> I got a scoop. Send an adjudicator furniture. right now. Send an adjudicator to me. I've got the scoop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my leg's disappearing in front of my very eyes. <laughs> He thought that his parents just didn't meet in time in the 1950s at a dance. <laughs> but tragically, he was a flesh-eating bacteria. That's horrifying stuff. That is so good. Um, now, before we normally do a whole uh, Patreon shout-out section after this, but we will not make you hang around for that. So oh, um, before dude, you head off... we'd love to. We'd love to hang out for the Patreon. goes about half an hour. Yeah, cool. Alexi will stick around for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so we, well, we weren't even going to invite you because really we, we like you too much. Um, thank you, thank you. But thank you to all the Patreon supporters from Cameron and I, the beloved creators of Finding Desperado. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great podcast. Jess and I didn't jump in before. We had Matt saying uh, he'd only listened to the first episode but three times. Jess and I have listened every week. Yes. And we love it. I'm I'm saving the most current episode because I – and I told both of you with mm-hmm. Finding Drago that I was saving it for a road trip I was going on. Mm, so I yeah. listened to Finding Drago like a little too late but I was saving it. This one I'm still saving for car trips and I listened to the first three episodes driving to the beach with my partner and now I can't listen – to the next episode <laughs> until we're both in the car together. Oh, okay. no. I'm sorry. Because no, now I can't listen without him or I, I'll get I'll be that asshole. All right. Well, it looks like it's the last man standing. I am your biggest fan. <laughs> yes. I listen every single week. 
Yes. And can I, 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 said, I just said it took, it took me three guys to listen to the first one. I've listened to them all since then. <laughs> yeah. Just so it took a couple of false starts, that's all. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, Matt is still number one fan because he gave us those two extra plays on the yeah. first yeah. episode. Mm. That's and that fair. means That's a lot to the ABC. They said, get a couple of your friends to listen to it a few extra times. <laughs> All about them algorithms. Yeah, it gets it up the chart. Um, we, and I've got to say, we love uh, great names on this on podcast. We come across people from history with great names. For example, Hugh Beaver mm. absolutely goes mm. down in there. Yep. But one you say every week on your show, and I love their work, the music on your show is fantastic. But I get excited everywhere. I've never met this person. But you say music by Luca Baroni Peters. And that name gets stuck in my head for oh, some wow. reason. It's a hell of a name. Rhythmic name. Hell of what a name. great name. He's a great guy. He's one of my best friends from film school. And he oh, has made music mu- for me very often. It's so the music is so good. Love it. Awesome. It's a beautiful sounding show. Yeah, production on it's awesome, guys. But it's not it's not your only uh, hit podcast show. You've also got Total Reboot, um, which is a weekly show where you go through the reboots and the remakes and rip offs. Yeah, <laughs> we've true. had you on the show. We did the original uh, Disney Aladdin movie with you. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did a crossover event <laughs> between Primates and Total Reboot. Because right. we were talking about the gorgeous monkey Abu. Oh, beautiful. He's a beautiful handsome monkey. little fella. What a handsome and cheeky monkey. Yeah, very cheeky. Turned out to be. <laughs> <He did laughs> One turn of the most cheeky, cheeky monkeys. <laughs> but yeah, that is, that's course, our podcast. A, a show we've talked about on this, probably not for a while, we used to talk about a fair bit. Uh, we all love Mike Check. Is that is that still hanging around in the background? Yeah. We keep saying we're going to do because um, Mike Myers. For anyone who doesn't back. know what this is, we had a podcast all about the films of Mike Myers, and we went through <laughs> all of his films and then mm-hmm. some. Awesome. But he um, he ha- he came back last year. He was in two movies. One of them yeah. was Bohemian Rhapsody, which mm-hmm. we wanted to never see because we don't like the director. We think he's not a good guy. He's not a good guy. We'll go on the record. Allegedly yeah. quite a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, no. Is it Brian Singer? Is that his name? Yes, Brian yeah. Singer. Oh, right. One of the worst guys you can oh, You've just ruined old X-Files. No, X-Men movies. Yeah, him, I know. Tragically, yeah. you can't go back. But the X-Files are still okay, the X-Files right? are still yeah, better than ever, still actually. Thank God. <laughs> we are... love the X-Files movies. We love the one with Billy Connolly. <laughs> that one is so good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I've watched Bo Rap um, because Alexi said I had to watch it because we were going to review it the following week, and then Alexi just never watched it, so we've yeah. never we've never he reviewed it, and now I've just <laughs> seen this fucking movie. Cameron's got it locked and ready to go. Once I pull the trigger and watch Bo Rap, there will be a whole new mic check episode out. But I really don't want to watch it, so it might be some time. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the podcast, of course, that inspired Primates. I sent Alexi a, a very earnest message asking for permission. I was I kissed the ring. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I still remember the email where you're just like, hey, I want to do a podcast where I talk about monkeys in movies. Is it too similar to Mike Check? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> do you think Mike Myers is a, is a freaking monkey, dude? Maybe Chris Kattan even... is, but not Mike Myers. <laughs> Oh, okay. I don't even know if there's a, if Mike Myers has even been in one movie with one monkey. He has been I in a sketch with a monkey, Dieter. Yes, of course. Dieter, mm. of course, the host of Sprockets. He loves to say, touch my monkey, touch it. Yeah. He has a little pet monkey. 
Oh, well, maybe there, there's a future Primates episode there. But I, yeah, no, I think it was because I just directly was inspired by your show that I thought, I can't, I am, I, in my head, I knew I was ripping you off, <laughs> even if it, it's not that clear from the outside. So I, I felt guilty about it. I felt guilty even having the idea. Oh. I needed to get your permission. Well, we absolve you of your guilt. You may begin that podcast that you're asking about. <laughs> and we wish you all the best on your podcasting journey. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. Uh, we Thank love you the so show. Much. It, I listen to this show when I'm driving the car. So I'm much go. like Jess Perkins. <laughs> yes, I've always said that. Yes, but I never drive to the beach. <laughs> Only to the shops. Sydney, it's you... just a stone you... throw away. We walk <laughs> yeah, to the drive. Yeah. We walk to Bondi Beach every single day, <laughs> and we absolutely love it, folks. And we we surf with all the other Aussies, and we love it here. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to check out Melbourne next time. Uh... <laughs> I was even thinking of going up to Brisbane. <laughs> All right, we're going insane. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you so much, guys. You can check out uh, all your podcasts, including Finding Desperado and all the podcast apps. And I believe you've convinced ABC to let you go on Spotify. So congratulations. Yes, we're the, one of the first ABC podcasts to be allowed on Spotify. Finding Desperado is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Podbean, I believe. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but someone has said Podbean to me and I thought it sounded very funny. Yeah, whichever <laughs> podcatcher you use. Whether it be Podbean or one of the more mainstream podcatchers, you can listen to it there. Every six months or so, we get a, an email from Podbean saying, someone has commented on your podcast. Wow. <laughs> About twice a year. It's, it's, it's a real thrill. That Thanks, Podbean. <laughs> Thanks so much for having us, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. Well, now it's time for everyone's favourite section of the show. And I knew that was coming. It wasn't just because Dave pointed at me dramatically. <laughs> uh, it's the fact, quote, or question section, which has a jingle, I think, that goes a little something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding! It always remembers the ding. And the way to get involved in this is to go to patreon.com slash pod, and you can support us on the Sydney Schoenberg Deluxe Memorial Edition level. Rest in peace to the great man. And uh, if you're on this level, you get all the delicious goodies from the levels below, including three bonus episodes per month. Yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, You get a a newsletter every week written by Jess and with bits written by me and Dave. (laughs) Oh, lap it up. Uh, You get uh, Facebook group access. You get voting rights. You get other things. Um, Once a year, we'll send out a Christmas card. Those have already been sent, but uh, get in for next year. Yeah, you got to get right. in now for next year. Thankfully, Christmas, it, it keeps coming. Thank God it does. I love Christmas. No, you do. You love it. Love it so much. Uh, but let's get into the facts, the quotes, and the questions. This is what you get if you are on the Sydney Schoenberg level. You get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. You also get to give yourself a title. Firstly, this week, uh, we have Siraj who has given himself the title of Chief Sorter, do go on hate mail and complaints department. <laughs> that's uh, that's handy. I mean, I don't think your job's too busy, hopefully, Siraj, is it? <laughs> well, Have I you been diverting them exactly. all from our... He's that good. We've wow. never seen that many. Thank you so much, He Siraj. only passes on the top shelf hate. You know what <laughs> Siraj does pass on, though? Uh, or he did at a recent live stream 
He sent in, I don't know if you realise this, because I ate most of them, two boxes of donuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed those. Thank you so much, Raj. One of them I cut, I took home and cut open later, and I didn't know what was going to be inside, and it was like a cheesecake. What? Filling. Whoa. Cheesecake inside a donut. Yeah. That's crazy. It was. Crazy good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Siraj has offered us a fact this week, and his fact is you've made... 2020 enjoyable, or at least bearable. <laughs> Thank you so much, Saraj. That's a great fact. <laughs> oh, uh, I, was, I thought it was going to lead to something with no, that. No, no, you're right. It does, he does continue on. I don't read these until I read them, so I didn't realise. Now that I scroll down, I say it does go on. Okay, thanks, Saraj. I thought that was his fact. Me too. I was like, what a great fact. Uh, just wanted to say thanks to all of you for always being a bright spot in the week or day for those of us catching up on back catalogues. <laughs> And helping us get through this monstrosity even more so than Matt scones of a year. Thanks. Oh, hang on. Got in a little side swipe of my scones. Second time I brought them up on this episode. I I wasn't going to touch it because when he talks scones, I'm like, oh. Here we go. I'm not, I know he probably does it wrong, but I'm not going to bring it up. If you're assuming people are doing it wrong, if the majority are doing it wrong, are they doing it right? Wow. Most people do do it wrong. Oh, you're going to, oh, sorry, Dave, he's telling me what the number one song this week is the best song. Yes, the the popular vote. Pack mentality. I'm all about it. Mm, What do you. you guys think? Yeah. That's me. I disagree. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. You would, you contrarian prick. Yeah, you contrarian prick. Frick. I mean, I, I, I genuinely, <laughs> yeah, <good one. laughs> genuinely do like uh, the cream on first and then the little dollop of jam. I feel like it changes up the texture, but I, I don't mind switching around every time. It does make it taste a little bit different somehow. I don't understand mm. how. It's Maybe just... because it's not soggy from the cream soaking in. No, yeah, look, Matt, look, it's not as creamy. <laughs> are you using what kind of creamy? Are you using milk? Are you using a creamy That's from cream. Vermont? Yeah, I'm just putting milk on it and it gets all soggy. No, cream shouldn't make it soggy. Well, well. Thick in your cream. <laughs> should be thicker than plaster. Got to be. It should be. It should be. Should quite it be thin. solid. Yeah, it, ideally, it'd be quite solid. Land a plane on it. Yeah. So I used to say when I worked as a barista, solid good. Anyway. Skinny milk really froths better than uh, than full cream milk. So if you're making a baby chino, for example, oh yeah, you're going to use some skinny milk there. And what you do is then you you froth it, bang it on the table, let it sit for a second, then you go. Land a plane on that, and everyone around you laughs. That's great. How many times do you use that? Oh, it's four times a day. Look, I didn't know that you worked as a barista. There you go. Yeah. So you know your no way around a coffee machine really well then. Because for me, as a non-coffee drinker and non-coffee maker, mm. I look at that thing in awe. Yeah. It looks really hard. I mean, I, I mean, it was a long time ago and for a short period of time. So I don't think I'm a – I'm not a – I can't do, like, cool latte art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But well, I can that's make the most a coffee. Part, yeah, the most it? important part is that it looks good. Hey, you drink oh. with your eyes. <laughs> you do the way I do it. I don't know a lot about coffee art, but I know what I like. Delicious coffee. Pouring it in my eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, it hurts so good. <laughs> Come on, baby. Uh, thank you so much, Siraj. That was very nice. What a nice fact. He's a yeah. love, Siraj. Siraj I was, is so nice. I was blushing. You still are. It's embarrassing. Is it too much to say that I'm... I'm in love with Siraj. Oh, yeah, that's too much. Okay, well, I won't say it. Yeah, just, don't, don't just say double that. Check, just double checking first. There's a line and you would have crossed it, but you didn't. Oh, thank yeah. God. Thank that God. was a very close call. Glad I clarified. Uh, the next one comes from Sophie Tutor. 
or shooter. She has corrected me on this. I always said shooter and it's not that. So I'm going to say again, Sophie Tutor. Great. No? <laughs> I thought it was shooter. Maybe I'm oh, wrong. Well, that's... Sophie, I'm so sorry. You've done both there. Okay, You're covered. great. We're covered all Yeah, Tutor. Pick you. which one's right. I reckon it's Tutor. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I really threw a spanner in there. Yeah, you really did. Sophie has given herself the title of Lady of the Principality of Sealand. Oh, my lady. Oh, this is genuine. Thanks to a birthday present from my husband. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's hey, great. David, her husband has come through with the goods. Yeah, look, Australia Post, just, I don't know what they're, what they're doing anymore. For those that don't know, after we did an episode about Sealand and Dave won too much money for liking pies, he Thank promised so that he was going to buy... Jess and I, titles from Sealand. Yeah. And he has not come through with the goods. Both of our birthdays have been and gone. Well, and I'm waiting for the right special occasion. Well, Christmas is coming. Yeah, Christmas coming up oh, pretty okay. soon. Yep. So. That would be great. That would right, be great. awesome. I'd love that for Christmas. I'd love that too, the thing that you promised us. <laughs> I'll get you a Guinness Book of World Records. I'd Thank also you. love a Christmas present too. I get you one every year. Yeah, he does. You do. And we I forget. We forget every year. <laughs> But Dave always remembers and then we go, fuck, he's done it again. Yeah, God, it feels so good. And he always goes, oh, no, you know, it's just something else. But, he, like, you know he went shopping specifically for us. I'm going to get you something this year. No, I'm going to get you the titles. It just slips my mind. All right, Dave, I'll get you something as well. But, Matt, let's not get each other anything. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is from... I love that. I'm happy to do it either way. I love it either way. But if you don't want to, I'm not going to force a present (laughs) onto you. Just to embarrass you. <laughs> oh, you actually meant you weren't going to get oh. me. Uh, Sophie writes, another fact here, if you eat about five large carrots every day for a couple of months, your skin can start to turn orange. I think this is a science experiment that Matt could and should try out. <laughs> I agree. Oh, I want to do that I too. I do love carrots. I love carrots. And I would love to get a bit of bit of colour in, in my pale, pale complexion. Mm, orange is a colour. Yeah, it, match, it could match the beard all the way up. Five a day is a lot though, isn't it? Is that a lot for a you think? Yeah, I could, yeah, I would probably eat about a carrot a day now. So it would be ta- taken up, well, five-fold. five-fold-ish. Mm. Oh, yeah, I mean, I have to do, check the maths there, but I think that's about right. I don't think it's every day, but there'd definitely be days where I might have three carrots. How are you eating them as sticks? Yeah, I'll have like carrots and and like some hummus as a little snack. That's a good. And then combo. there might be a, there might be a carrot in my dinner, you know. Okay. So I could someone get put a carrot in my dinner, <laughs> waiter. There's a carrot There's in a my dinner. Carrot. Uh, thank you so much, Sophie. Uh, great fact. And yeah, if uh, if there's a carrot. Producer Ali wants to sponsor me. I will eat five of your product a day. Absolutely. I don't know how long I have to do it for. Two months. So, and does it go away again? Because I don't want to. I don't know if I want to be permanent. Yeah, go away. sure that reset. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Sophie. This next one comes from Rob Daman. Uh, he's <laughs> put in brackets, Daman or Daman. If you're feeling silly, well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am Rob. And Rob's given himself the title of Director of Getting Down and Being Proud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Live your best life. Uh, Rob writes, oh, this is a fact. Quick, Jess, call David Dickhead. Pause. Ha, huh, I bet Dave did not see that coming. I li- <laughs> Wait, quick, Jess. <laughs> well, you didn't give me a chance. So oh, say sorry. it again. Quick, Jess, call David Dickhead. Dave, you're a dickhead. What? I bet he did not see that coming. 
<laughs> I fucked it up by not. It actually says pause, and I didn't pause. Yeah, you read pause, oh. though. Yeah. That's because when I listen to music with a pause, yeah. I'll say pause. Yeah, you my, love saying pause. One of my favourite things to hear in the distance is Matt go, pause. <laughs> the In Excess episode of uh, Listen Now, Sam and I both did it at the same point. I'm like, oh, maybe it's a family thing. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful In Excess pause, and we both went, pause. <laughs> It's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful moment. Uh, Rob, uh, Rob did, continues. Oh, he continues. Sorry, I did not see that coming. <laughs> I don't know if you quite get it, but um, <laughs> he writes, I live in mid-Minnesota, Minnesota, big fan of the show, found you guys through the weekly Planet Pod. Hey, shout out to those guys. Love Meso and James. I was listening to an old book cheat just this week that oh, had yes. James on it, and I'm like, how good is that guy at podcasting? He's so good. As is Claire, who is also on. Oh, are we talking Sherlock Holmes or talking Ernest Hemingway? Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Uh, because I've just listened to the audio book of Stephen Fry telling that story. And oh, now yes. I'm getting you <laughs> to recap it. Because you were talking about it and I said, oh, I've done that on the show, yeah. The uh, something in Scarlet. Study, Study. in Scarlet. Scarlet. And then I, because um, I had been, I've, and I still am listening to Sherlock uh, as I'm uh, going to sleep each night. And uh, that night I'm like, I'll listen to Dave. And I was, I'd listened to half the episode. I'm like, I'm less, I'm further away from sleep than when I began. This is too motherfucking stimulating. I had to turn it off and put some <laughs> boring old Stephen Fry back on. That's the power of Mr. Sunday Movies. Yeah. And Claire Tonti. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Rob continues. I work in construction and I'm in a very loud environment all day and have been binging your pod for the last couple of months. So thanks. Keep up the good work, Dave. Keep laughing, Jess, and keep showing up, Matt. Oh, no, I was the punchline. Oh, no. <laughs> did you not see that coming? I, I did not <laughs> see that coming. Um, works in construction. Is that not what Tony Soprano used to say? Just saying. Oh, hello. Wow. Wow. Wow is all I will say. <laughs> wow. Oh, he says, update on your column. I mean, we haven't got to a fact yet, I don't think. I mean, there's probably plenty of facts in here. It's a fact that he got to us through the Weekly Planet, etc. Yep, but a fact. Great fact. Uh, update on your column murder episode. Brian Wells was not in on the robbery. There is a doco on Netflix now. It's pretty heartbreaking. Yes, right. That that uh, Netflix series, I never watched it. Did you guys watch yeah, it? Yeah, I watched it. The Collar Bum Heist was the episode. Was that me? Did I do that report? No. No, I did. You did the report. Was it not? Oh, no, the documentary came out after. Yeah. Not long after. Yeah, right. And that's why on our YouTube episode version of that episode, we got a a few views and a lot of people um, not enjoying (laughs) us, not taking it seriously enough. Yes, but uh, I have been reliably informed, but they do not mention the cheese or butter rooms. Yeah. In it's the like, Netflix show, and I just think that's poor journalism. That is what the poor fuck journalism. is the point? Just if you're going to tell a story, tell all of the story. Exactly right. Why are you leaving out important facts? Come on, she's got a butter very, room and a cheese room. Very disappointing. Uh, Rob finally says, in Arizona, it's illegal. Oh, okay, this is the fact. Oh, Rob, <laughs> in Arizona, it's illegal for a donkey to sleep in a bathtub. In the 1920s, a local dam broke, flooding a rancher's home. The rancher's donkey had become accustomed to sleeping in a bathtub, which filled with water and whisked him miles away. After working to rescue the animal, the town passed a law that prohibits donkeys from sleeping in the tub. Wow. But if he likes doing it. 
Who cares where he sleeps? He's accustomed to it. That's right. It's, it, imagine the, the town just not going up to the donkey's owner and saying, hey, can you stop doing that? Because for some reason it affects us. They Mr. say, Lord. no, we're going, we're taking this to the count, yeah. t- town meeting. We're going to ratify it yeah. in the town council. We're putting pen to paper. Wow, that's a, that's a wild fact. I love, uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love getting in that bathtub. I'm a bit of a bit of an ass, if you know, <laughs> know what I mean. Uh, and finally, we've got Vincenzo, Vinny, Giovanni, Bonadonna. I know a dog called Vincenzo. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Not this guy, though. Vincenzo is no dog. No dog at all. And Vinny asks a question. He's got a preamble. Uh, since it's almost Thanksgiving when I'm writing this, has it passed? It's passed now. By the time this comes out, yes. Um, when I'm writing this, I would like to say I'm thankful for two things that exist in my life. One, voice acting slash work. Two, watch Mojo top ten videos. Following on from that, I don't I don't understand what that means. <laughs> Does that make sense to you guys? Or are they yeah. just genuine things he's thankful for? Like yeah, I think that's just me like a, a countdown series on YouTube that I think that they're a fan of. Gotcha. Uh, oh, actually, I'm... Maybe he's does the voice work for Mojo Top Ten videos. Is that? Oh, what sorry, Vincenzo. It's getting late here, and I'm already slow to begin with. Um, Vincenzo continues starting with number two. I don't really care for watch Mojo videos anymore. Okay, maybe I was wrong there, but I found Mr. Sunday Movies through them, and that brought me to Planet Broadcasting and a plethora of great podcasts. And at number and at number one, uh, at a young age. I enjoyed radio talk shows and things like that as well. I enjoyed different accents. I found that the Australian accent is most pleasing to my ears in the podcast slash radio form. I feel like I've butchered every inch of that. Do you you following what I'm saying? I'm now, I'm looking at Watch Mojo is a YouTube channel that uh, top ten lists on music, TV, film and video games. We publish four or more top tens daily and they have 23 million subscribers. So they are very, very popular. But obviously, he's not that big a fan of them anymore. But it did deliver him here. Uh, anyway, Vincenzo, Vinny's question is, what accents do you guys like or enjoy? Or whose voices in particular? Uh, Irish and Scottish are very nice. Oh, yeah, I, miss, yeah, absolutely. I love a, a beautiful Spanish voice. Yeah, I love, I love the New Zealand accent. Yeah, New Zealand's really nice. I love um, spe- staying with the Spanish-specific people. I love uh, Rafael Nadal in the press conference after a tennis match. That's yeah, a good one. that's a good one. South African one uh, I'm, I'm a fan of. Uh, it's also, it can be very funny, but it's also just like I think it's a nice accent. Arnie Donna used it pretty well in their, <laughs> in their, sket- their I Netflix series. I don't think there are any – I can't think of an accent I don't like. I like accents. Yeah. Because you, you always find other accents – Interesting. I don't really think about Australians much. I love it. England's got so many in, yeah. you know, in uh, sort of small amount of space. Yeah. Yes, that's amazing how different they are. Mm. I also love many of the accents from the Caribbean. Oh, oh yeah, beautiful. Beautiful voices. Oh, uh, like uh, the Caribbean? Yeah, from yeah. the Caribbean, sorry, to say it correctly. Yeah, I think both are uh, acceptable. Um, but I, uh, I, and it's the same in America. They've got so many accents as yeah. well. Uh, and in Canada, eh? I mean, Canada is in America, if you think about it. Say again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you, Vincenzo, Rob, 
Sophie and Siraj for those facts, those quotes, and those questions. You can get involved with that, uh, like I say, at patreon.com slash pod. We also like to thank a few of our other supporters. And just normally comes up with a little game before we do that relating to the topic. We give them a record. Oh, that makes what sense. What do you reckon? Oh, yeah, great. Made for it. Well, if I could kick things off, I would love to thank from Ermsworth in England. I imagine they have fantastic accents. I'd love to thank Adam Osborne and Danielle Reed. Double power, bit of a power couple. Oh, what can they do together? Um, what about world's longest tandem bike ride? Oh, that's nice. How long they ride for? Like all the way around the world. Get wow. fucked. Even when they got onto a ferry, they're pedaling the whole time. They rode up into like a, a uh, something that caught the wheel yeah, and they just yeah, keep yeah. pedaling. That sounds awful. The whole world. I would yeah, hate that. That would be brutal when you know it's not actually helping you move. It's or, helping yeah. you. or is it powering the ferry? Yes. Oh, okay, now I'm in. It's also powering your own sense of self-satisfaction. <laughs> no. Um, wow. Get, so no breaks. Oh, no, it's one of those records where it's like they re- went around the world but it took them 11 months. Right. Yeah, right. Oh, that sound, that could be nice. Yeah, so they've seen every continent. So, but they do stop to sleep and eat. Yes, but they sleep and eat on the bike. Oh, dear. No, that's not true. Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> thank you so much, Adam and Danielle. Good uh, luck on the ride. <laughs> I would also love to thank from Agora Hills in California, yeah, in the United States, John Mack. Namie, John McNamee. Um, John has the record. Fuck, I've started this sentence with Fantastic. no idea where I'm going. With the most eyebrows. Most eyebrows. Multiple eyebrows. Yes. Whoa. So there's like, you think you've got eyebrows? You've got two. I've got two. I would have thought I'm clubhouse leader so far. No, John has three sets of eyebrows above those. Oh. So, so like, so eight in Adidas. Total. No, Adidas stripes plus one. Yeah. <laughs> they keep going up. So if he's shocked, you're like, holy shit, he's shocked. <laughs> holy shit, that guy is shocked. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a great record. And how, and did he have to shave them in? Like, did he have just a, uh, a, pa- a No, a it's natural, forehead? but he only discovered it when he was hit over the head. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay, I love that. Um... Thank you so much, John McNamee. Uh, what a fantastic record you hold. And I would finally love to thank from Sutherland in New South Wales, Australia, Benjamin Luke Waters. Ooh. Luke Waters. You'd think he'd have would he'd have a nickname warm, right? Luke yeah, Warm Waters. Absolutely. <laughs> Warmy. <laughs> Do you think he'd be known as Warmy? Yeah. Uh, he has the record for most consistent temperature. Uh, created by his mouth. Right. As in like, so, so he's, he's like blowing. Lukewarm in, air. He's blowing bubbles into water and it keeps it to the Miller temperature. Whoa. <laughs> Miller degree. Miller degree. Yeah. Miller time. Wow. And he, yeah, he keeps it right at the same temperature. He's what done temperature it for longer. is it? Uh, Beautiful temperature of all. Mm-hmm. 69 degrees. 69.69 <laughs> degrees. Yes. Nice. Yeah. It's in a for two for two. Fahrenheit or oh. Celsius? Probably Fahrenheit. Celsius, that's very that's hot. That's quite warm. That's really that's hot. Quite warm. He's a dragon. That is too hot for, <laughs> for a spa. Yeah. Yeah, it's too hot for a spa. So, yeah, I reckon But not quite Fahrenheit. hot enough to boil the kettle. No. Nah. Okay. <laughs> 
You really are a barista. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know, know what temperature know kettles. shit boils at. It feels like we're running out of puff. <laughs> it's quite late at night. Come on, all right, let's keep this going. Woo! I would like to thank now. Uh, so thanks to those legends. I would like to thank from Kitchener in Ontario, Canada, Justin Godley. Oh, okay. World record for longest vertical swim up a waterfall. Whoa. Wow. Amazing. Like a salmon going up. Yeah. He's like a salmon. Wow. The human salmon is what he's marketed <laughs> as. Amazing. Justin Godley, the human salmon. That's incredible. All the human way up. salmon, yeah. And he, he, swim, he swam all the way up. The highest one so far is only the third highest waterfall in the world. He's still attempting to top the first and second right. tallest waterfalls. Which are? Uh, K1 <laughs> and K2. I can only get number one is the Angel Falls in Venice. Venezuela. Yeah. Number two. Fuck, I'm, you're a nerd I'm one of those. I call that K1. Fuck, you're a big old nerd. <laughs> what a... Who knows about that? Who knows about... I don't know what, what are you, one of the bloody McQuirter twins? Yeah, go... Dave McSquirter over here. <laughs> McSquirting facts out his... <laughs> his tiny tush. Yeah, I squirt out my tush. <laughs> uh, thank you to Ryan Godley... Uh, sorry, Justin Godley. I would like to thank now from Watford... In England, Damon Rycroft. Damon obviously has the world record for the most convincing impression of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh. <laughs> That's so good. I was good. Anyway. <laughs> I was thinking, honestly. No, but Matt, can you save it or can you? Okay, no, no it was going to be world's. Best impression of Shane Warne. <laughs> <laughs> can he do both? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. He's very good. Got two records actually. Wow. If you smell what Damon Rycroft <laughs> is spinning. There Chain Warn. Yes. Spin bowler. Spin King, the Sheik of Tweak. Great nickname. <laughs> that is a great Disagree. That's such a great name. Um, <laughs> great um, nickname. Mine's a scientist. Uh, thank you so much to Damon Rycroft. I would like to That f- is a good nickname too, the scientist. Not that a scientist. <laughs> I'd like to thank from San Diego in uh, California. Todd Gladden. Oh, that's a great name. Who holds the record for the world's longest umbilical cord. Wow. Oh. He, his? He, yeah, yeah. His. yeah. Or he, owner of? Uh, no, he, it's his and he has not cut it off. Really? Right. So I still, he's sort of on the leash, so yeah. to speak, from Do his mum. they not fall off eventually? No. I think really? they're meant to. <laughs> I mean, but he's, this is the longest one ever. He's it's like, glued it this is like, it's 48 metres long. If I'm picturing Whoa. this right, if if he followed that back to its source, it would be up his mum. <laughs> Unless it's been detached from his mum and he's just walking around with a rotting yeah, umbilical 48 cord. 48 metre long umbilical cord. Yeah, Dave, this was a great one. But <laughs> when you said still time. attached, you meant to him. To I him. thought. <laughs> no, yeah, I thought both. <laughs> no, it's Steve. So he could go bungee jumping on that if he wanted to. Mum, you hold tight. <laughs> mum, grab that little shrub. <laughs> mum, mum, have you got a good grip on it? Grab the shrub. Oh. Oh. Just the look on your face as you're going, if he followed that. Yeah, it'd be up his mum. On you, Todd. Thanks, Todd. Um, is it my turn? Oh, yeah. Hooray. Um, I would love to thank from Edinburgh in Scotland. 
I'd love to thank Clara O'Shea. Oh. That's an Irish name. I'm a big fan of that name. That's, That's an a great name. incredible name. Clara O'Shea. Clara O'Shea. Um, I'm, I'm seeing uh, chickens yep. and eggs. Yep. They love these. They love egg-related um, records. They're often smashing with their heads, but not in this case. This is the world record for the amount of eggs matched to the mother hen. Wow. She gets she gets them all and she goes, well, this is that hens. Wow. And she returns them all to How many them. hens? It was actually 33,462 wow. million. Wow. <laughs> hens. hens. How many eggs? Well, two apiece. You do the sums. I wow. can't. I've forgotten the first yeah. number. It 66 was very billion big. or something like that. Yeah, it's got a few. Wow. wow. Did you see match back like an entire year supply of eggs? Yeah. It was Yeah. It was a it was a big undertaking. What percentage of accuracy? Oh, within within zero point four one percent. Wow. That is incredible. Why yeah. is she not a household name? I well, I don't know. <laughs> That's I have no idea, Jess. <laughs> And the question you ask makes me furious. <laughs> Why isn't she a household name? It's wild. That's she right. should be. It's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. I scream her name from the rooftops I know. of an I've, evening. I've heard. Clara O'Shea <laughs> matching them eggs. Yeah. And people are going, shush. Yeah. Shush. It's the middle I'm of the like, night. I'm like, you shush. Yeah. If you start sitting around the dinner table saying, Clara O'Shea this, Clara mm-hmm. O'Shea that, then I will shush. Yep. But until that day. Yep. I will be yelling away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Doing God's work. We appreciate that. Mm. And so does Clara. Thank you, Clara. Um, I would also love to thank from Masham in Great oh, Britain. I love that. Yeah, I like that too. I'd love to thank Stefan Headley. Masham. Stefan from Masham. What about our world's wobbliest wheelbarrow? Oh, wow. <laughs> must be really yeah. wobbly. Now, really what, wobbly. What has Stefan done here? <laughs> <laughs> Stefan. Steph, what, what has Stefan done to be included in He loosens yes, the wheels. Exactly. And he's, but he's learned to cope with it. Oh, yeah, Do you know how hard that is? He doesn't he's, spill a thing. He's done over his entire garden using oh, the wobbliest wheelbarrow. That is good. Wow. Now He's I'm really improved. impressive. Fuck you. <laughs> no. That's why you are the pun master. No. But a, a master bows down to a king. <laughs> What's wobbliest wheelbarrow? I mean... Come on. That's very good. And he's done a really good job he's with that He's done a great garden. job. Don't take that away from him, Matt. No, come on. No, Matt, come on. What do you think? For, I mean, he for, loosened some wheels. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise. For at least scale. Like in the in the book, there's a photo of him next to the wheelbarrow at least. Yeah. He can't just have a wheelbarrow on his own. And he's blurry because he's trying to hold on <laughs> yeah. and they just... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. It's amazing. Most people would fall over, but he... Amazing... Um, Balance. Anybody oh. else get pushed around in a wheelbarrow a lot as a kid? Oh, I love that. That was yeah, so, that was fun. so, so fun. So wobbly. Yeah. You know? So wobbly. It's a bit dangerous. But imagine that, but the wobbliest oh, possible. Oh, my goodness gracious it's me. The, it's the poor man's unicycle. Yeah, big it? time. Um, <laughs> probably the, yeah, maybe it's the other way around, actually. Well, yeah, if you can't afford a bike with two wheels. <laughs> I think a wheelbarrow is really the rich man's unicycle because it's actually useful. Yeah, you can put stuff in it. Uh, oh, the trailer. That was the one I remember. Dad getting the trailer before a holiday. Yeah. Push it from the back to the front. You'd have to sit on the back to counterweight it. So what a thrill. That's fun. <laughs> that 20-meter ride. Whee! <laughs> oh, man, I felt like, you know, the world was full of possibilities <laughs> for that five to ten seconds. Anything's possible. Anything. I'm free. You're like, Dad, take your time. 
do a loop. Ah, like. Oh, my God, Dad, please do a loop. Thank you for um, giving us that opportunity to go down memory lane, Stefan, with your wobbly wheelbarrow. <laughs> wobbly, well, the wobbliest, wobbliest wheelbarrow. Those are really fun to say. And finally, from a little closer to home in Murrumbina here in Victoria, I'd love to thank David Ceres. Might oh. be series Ceres, probably. Murrumbina, where Tism played their first ever concert. Is that where Duncan McKinnon Reserve is? I think it is. Dave, you <laughs> know similar. all sorts of bullshit. <laughs> Little kind of area, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's in Was there. it Duncan McKinnon? Really? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. What about um, <laughs> record holder for um, world's most value got at an all-you-can-eat buffet? Oh, so wow. He did. He skipped the bread rolls. Yeah. Oh no. He went for only value density. So yeah. he went straight. He went in for the lobsters. Yeah, lobsters, seafood, prawns, steak. steak, a very expensive truffles soup. French onion soup. Yeah, very expensive soup. A uh, uh, bottle of champagne. It's a very fancy yeah. buffet. Gold, the gold ring. Lobber Bob. Lobber Bob. Gold ring, Lobber Bob. Did not fill up on bread. No, no way. Certainly no bread. No pizza. No very no little carbs at all. No bottomless soft drink. Basically no. none of the good stuff. Yeah, all the delicious stuff. Garlic bread. Within within three plates, they've gotten like seven hundred dollars worth of food. Uh, oh, that's yeah, all right. that's good. Pretty good stuff. Very impressive. Yeah. Well done. Where is this buffet with lobsters and Pizza Hut? <laughs> okay. Pizza Hut Murrumbina. Oh wow. wow! Have you been out? That's a hidden gem. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think Melbourne still had a dine-in pizza, but well, Murrumbina. I mean, if everyone knew about that, they'd be out of business. Right. They are giving away gold-plated lobsters in their all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> it is. Really bad and business. The, and yeah. their business idea is not to tell people about it <laughs> so they don't lose too much money. Yeah. <laughs> That's smart business. Yeah. It's, a, can... it's a, you know, word of mouth mm. kind mm. of. Exactly. It's if a cool... you know, you know. Exactly. It's like a speakeasy. you gotta mm. know, you got to know the, the yeah. code word. you got to know the code word is I know Ducky. <laughs> <laughs> Ducky, what a guy. <laughs> the guy from the Australian Pizza Hut ads in the 90s and early 2000s. I remember one time he asked for a tip. And the guy said, he said, uh, work hard and be good to your mother. <laughs> and that was a Brilliant. big hit ad. Big hit ad. I, I'm like, ah, oh, that's that's not what he meant, mate. He meant <laughs> he want, money. He, he wanted cash, cash money. Can I have extra money, please? Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to the last bit of business we do, thanking our brilliant Patreon supporters. If it wasn't for our supporters, this show would not exist, so we can't thank you enough. Uh, these next people are being inducted into the Triptych Club. I'm standing at the door. I've got the velvet rope ready to lift. I've got the clipboard in my hand. I'm going to read out four names this week after I read them out. Dave will hype them up mm-hmm. so they're coming into the club feeling good about themselves. Dave's not always that confident in the way he hypes them up, so Jess then hypes up Dave. Yep. Thank you. Dave's also booked a band. Uh, Jess got some hors d'oeuvres uh, or food of yep. some sort and a drink. What, what do we got on the menu tonight? Uh, Guinness. Oh, yeah. Great one. My and Guinness, also my goodness. Bulmers. Oh. Um, and soda bread. Ah. It's an Irish theme. I love <laughs> it. Week. Oh, fantastic. Soda bread. I don't know what it is, but it sounds – I like bread. When we were in Ireland, 
We stayed at that very nice Airbnb in Dublin and they had made like some bread for us. Oh, that was That was bread. soda bread. That was nice That bread, bread was great. Yeah. I know. I you forgot loved about that bread. You I, loved soda bread. I ate most of it. Yeah. Did, did I say that to you then as well? I'm like, what's soda bread? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> My memory. But I just knew that you'd had it and yeah. liked it. And so I, I was like. I can, you can remind you of back. this exactly. I remember it. Yeah, that, I loved that that little uh, whatever we had there, four nights in Ireland in Dublin. Loved it so Beautiful. much. Um, and I did say I don't like Guinness earlier. I gave it a bit of shit. I, I don't mind it. I just prefer nearly every other stout. That's all. I, I, I like it enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's just not, it's different to every other stout as yeah. well. Yeah, it's it, very unique. Yeah. And I, I, I don't mind. I just couldn't, you know. You, you, I mean, you're not going to be smashing back eight pints of it, are you? No, I had, I had a pint of it the night we did the Irish live show. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was great. Um, people always said the Guinness Shave in Dublin tastes fresher, and that didn't turn out to be the case. That's no, interesting. All. It tasted <laughs> the exact same to the ones I've had in Melbourne and elsewhere. but Anyone who was offended earlier, though, when you said you didn't really like it is not still listening now to hear that off. apology, <laughs> that backpedalling. Ah, well, when I get an angry message, I'll say, well, listen to the end, mate. Yeah, um, actually, I completely backpedaled. So, um, Dave, who is performing? Well, I was thinking with the Irish theme tonight. We've got you too. I knew you too. But instrumental. Ah, okay. Bono, Bono up to could not be make, making it, but you know who will be there? Cream. <laughs> so uh, he will be playing the character of Cream whilst the band play and look at him very with bemused looks, going, "What are we fucking doing up here?" Bono. That might have been one of the hardest laughs I've ever had in my life, just because we were so tired. We were so tired, and People thankfully, go back to the live island episode, the one about. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was about the... Dublin Whiskey Flood and Other Irish Tales. Yeah. And uh, there was a riff it that we did in the Patreon section about uh, characters that Bono ha- had played. Yeah. And the, but if you want to just find it out, uh, our one of our <laughs> favourite Irish listeners, John, has actually Dugo-onimated that. Has he done that one? Yeah, there is an animation uh, of I'm us sure talking I've about seen it. We should say it on the pod because we haven't... Um, we've mentioned that we're nominated for an actor or... Actually, by the time this comes out, we've probably already lost an actor, but um, <laughs> honour to be nominated. Um, and, yeah, John was a big part of that. He, yeah. He did the animations for it. So. And they got, people loved those and we thought, yeah, we thought they were absolutely awesome. So, uh, yeah, check out John's great work. And we got to meet John on this night that we're talking about in Ireland. Anyway, right. so um, – Beautiful Irish-themed night here tonight. I'm lifting up the velvet rope and I'm reading. The first name off the list is from Taupo in the Bay of Plenty, New Zealand. It's Fraser Cameron. Bay of Plenty, plenty of good times tonight. Yes. Welcome in, Fraser. I'd also love to welcome in from Redcar in England in Great Britain, Sean Oliver. Oh. Oh. It's <laughs> like surely oh. there's something in Oliver. Red car, red car. He's got fast. Cars. Uh, please, sir, may I have some more of you? Because you're the best. <laughs> nice. Okay. Oliver Twist. Yes. No. It's good. Woo. Uh, thank you, Jess. <laughs> I'd love to say uh, to welcome in from Croydon in Surrey, Great Britain, Adam Knight. Well. You know, it wasn't going to be a good night, <laughs> but it's going to be a great night now. Yes, for Adam. 
And finally from Thetford. Sorry about the pronunciation there. Probably in Great Britain, it's Philip Greer. Welcome in. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing up the Greer, my best man. See? See? Thank you so much. Believe in yourself. That is your best one in months. (laughs) <laughs> bringing up the career. <laughs> he was the last entrant. What do you mean? What about it wasn't going to be a good night and now it is going to be a good night? What about that, Matt? Come on. No, I mean, that was also very um, – I'm not – that's how big of a compliment it is. Thank so you. that was your best one in months. Thank you so much. Is this the worst thing I do in my life? This, these two minutes a week? Yes. Yes. I don't know how I've accidentally painted myself into this corner. Please, sir, well, can I have, I have some it. more of you? <laughs> It's all good stuff. Also, very good stuff. Like, that's highbrow. Come it's on. very good. That brings us to the end of the episode. What a fun, <laughs> fun, silly time we've had. It was. And thank you so much again to Cam and Alexi. All of the podcasts they do, you've heard them on. If you've never heard them before, you instantly know they're just really fun, funny dudes. So funny. Yeah. My, honestly, my face hurt from laughing. Yeah, by that the time was re- finished. really fun. Uh, yeah, so it was a real pleasure to have them on the show. But, yeah, definitely check out Finding Drago and Finding... Desperado. And if you haven't heard of either, I would go back and just start yeah. from Finding Drago because they mention it in Desperado a couple of times which my, with minor spot, spoilers. So I reckon... Yeah, start from the beginning. Yeah, start from the beginning and really go is, through. It's yeah. gripping. It's one of those things you will smash it out in a couple of days. Yeah, it's really great and so funny and, and interesting. It's great. Just listen, okay? So good. <laughs> um, so, Dave, boot this baby home. Yeah, thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll be back uh, next week with another couple of episodes. I think maybe even next week it might even be a Christmas special, Ooh. which is pretty exciting. Um, but you can get in contact with us at any time. Dogoonpod.com is the place you go there. You can find our merchandise. Uh, we are now sending back around all over the world. Anywhere can, anyone can get a T-shirt or a, a badge. I sent one to Brazil the other day. That's cool. That is cool. First one to Brazil. Pretty cool. Absolutely love that. That's sick. I love it. Uh, Anyone can suggest a topic via our website, dogoonpod.com, and that's where you also find our Patreon, as well as links to our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. We've got a YouTube channel where you can uh, actually vote up the Collar Bum Heist episode if you want to give that a bit of love because that's (laughs) the one where people have cracked it at us. And, um, yeah, email us, dogoonpod at gmail.com. But, yeah, thanks again for listening. And until next week, I will say thank you and goodbye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.